FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome to the Andrew K Show. I'm your guest host for today, retired Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. Frequent guest on Andrew's show. First of all, I am taller than five foot two. I'm six foot four. I weigh more than she does. I weigh about 200 pounds. I do not wear dresses, although in this day and age, if you go by the left's rules, anything goes. But nevertheless, I'm your guest host for tonight, and it's a pleasure to be here. For those of you who do not know me, I don't take it for granted. I'm president of America Sheriff LLC. You can learn more by visiting americasheriff.com. I'm the author of a book, Cop Under Fire, Beyond the Hashtags of Race, Crime, and Politics for a Better America. It's a great read. That's enough about me. This isn't about me. It's about you, and thanks for joining me here tonight. Now more about today's program. Uh, Later in the show, we're going to be talking to two guests, Jesse Jane Duff, a military veteran. We're going to be talking about uh, the compatibility of women in combat infantry units, get her take, and we're going to be talking to Heather McDonald. Heather is a researcher. She's with the Manhattan Institute, a think tank. She's an author. Uh, like I said, a researcher, and we're going to talk to her about identity politics and the, the danger of that played by the left. Uh, we've got a lot to get into today. Today's theme is going to follow a pattern. The pattern's going to be race, crime, and politics, so the things that we talk about today are going to center around that. And I want to set it up by starting with this article I came across. It's fantastic. It's how I feel about the state of politics today and why I like President Donald Trump why I supported him early on and continue that support today. It's from a site called The Ace of Spades. The author's anonymous, but I want to take you through this. It's entitled, How Losing My Political Values Helped Me Gain My Freedom. There's a frustrating game that the left plays with conservatives. It's an Alinsky tactic called Make Them Live Up to Their Values. Now, living up to one's values isn't a bad thing, but setting high standards ultimately means that you'll sometimes fall short. The left loves to exploit these shortcomings. Every Christian who falls short of perfection is a hypocrite. The social values candidate you voted for just got arrested for drunk driving. Ha ha. Everything you believe and advocate for is now discredited. They got away with it for years. Waving away the lies, hypocrisies, indiscretions, and criminal behavior from their own politicians while beating the right mercilessly with the missteps of their own. It's effective because the right always maintains a baseline of integrity not displayed by the left as evidenced by comparing what happens to Republican politicians when they're caught in criminal behavior with what happens to Democrats. Republican voters and politicians reluctantly dump the malfactor while Democrats defend their guy and launch an offensive against those who demand accountability. And then came along Trump. A guy just ripe for demonization by the left. I think it's fair to say that even his early supporters worried that the Democrats would successfully make him, t- make him toxic to the general voting public with his boorish behavior, vulgarity, and multiple bankruptcies and very public divorces. But something strange happened. Not only did Donald Trump not care about the attacks on his character, neither did anyone else. We saw this new paradigm assert itself over and over during the primary throughout repeated media predictions that this time he's gone too far and he's cooked. This same indifference helped Trump carry the election, has continued to the early days of his administration. 
With it comes a refreshingly freeing state of mind. Personally, I don't feel in any way responsible for Trump, nor do I feel compelled to defend him against attack. Why? Because I voted for retribution. He's thin-skinned and petty, shrieks the left. He takes things personally. Good, I say. I want him to take attacks personally and deal out payback. I know I won't be the target. You will be. He's unpresidential. He'll destroy the integrity of the office, they say. No, that's already happened. Remember, you elected a crap-talking jackass who takes selfies at state funerals when he's not giving stealth middle fingers to his opponents during debates. There's no dignity to the office, not after Clinton and Obama. He's a narcissist, they say. He's got a totalitarian impulse. Yes, he's basically a mere version of Obama, except now he'll be working for what I want. The ends justify the means. You taught me that. A sitting president going after the media. Oh, my God, they say. Oh, like Obama trashing Rush Limbaugh on Fox News? How about when he sent his lackeys to berate news reporters for failure to flatter him at all times? Oh, and NSA spying on the press. That was pretty great, too. He won't show his taxes, they say. Don't care. Where are Obama's college transcripts, by the way? He's a bully. Is this what you want? Someone who uses his power to bully other people, they ask? And this is where everything funnels down to the very nexus of my change in attitude from do unto others to I will do unto you what you do unto me. It's two words. Memories, pizza. It was that moment that everything changed for me. Not only the harassment, fake Yelp reviews, and the death threats that forced him to temporarily close up shop. Oh, that was bad enough. But the most powerful man on earth bullying a couple of small-town pizza owners from Indiana simply for expressing an opinion on a hypothetically asked question by a reporter with a malicious agenda. That was when I snapped. Do you remember? It is this that sent me to a place from which I'll never return. I literally don't care what Donald Trump does because nothing he can do is worse than what they've already done. Donald Trump isn't the bully. He only insults and abuses people in power who have attacked him. They're the blanking bullies. I had to extract that word out, but you know what he means by blanking bullies. Back to the story here. The left with their smears, their witch hunts, their slanders, their insults, their riots, their violence, and their weaponizing of the federal bureaucracy. There aren't any rules anymore because the left only applies in one way. And in doing so, they've left what was once a civil compact between the two parties in smoldering, smoldering ruins. I have no personal investment in Donald Trump. He's a tool to punish the left and roll back their ill-gotten gains no more and no less. If he succeeds even partially in those two things, then I'll consider his election a win. Further, I no longer have any investment in any particular political values save one. The rules created by the left will apply to the left as equally and punitively as they have applied them to the right. And when they beg for mercy, I'll begin to reconsider. Or maybe not. Because blank these people, and you could fill in the blank with the expletive there. This new philosophy has freed me of more emotional angst than I could describe. Literally nothing the left says or does matters to me anymore. I don't care about their tantrums. I don't care about their accusations. I don't care if they say Trump is lying. I don't care if Trump is lying. 
They've created this Frankenstein. They own it. I'm free of all obligations. I will never play defense again. I will attack, 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 using their own tactics against them until they learn their lesson. What I will not do is let them play my values against me ever again. I don't need to prove that I'm better than them. I already know it. Again, that's from Ace of Spades' blog, The Author's Unknown. But that describes Sheriff David Clark in this new era of politics. I'm going to have more to say on this attitude and this blog in the final section. So you're going to have to stick around to hear that. As I said, coming up after the break, we're going to talk to, first of all, we're going to get to Jesse Jane Duff, and we're going to talk uh, military policy. I'm Sheriff David Clark. This is the Andrea K. Show. we got to take a break. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show, and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K., spelled K-A-Y-E. You don't know what you don't know. Your assets don't have to be paid off to need an estate plan. Andrea Kay here, recently recognized top San Diego attorney Rod Hatley, is honest, fair, caring, and has helped so many of my friends. It's in Rod's heart to help others avoid what he experienced firsthand, a costly, devastating seven-year probate after his father's death. Don't let your assets, paid off or not, go to probate. For your free consultation, contact Rod through his website, HatleyLawGroup.com. That's H-A-T-L-E-Y LawGroup.com. HatleyLawGroup.com. Many of us know how high school today is not the same as the high school in the 60s and 70s. Pressure to achieve, the competitiveness, the anxiety to fit in, and the loneliness has made being a teenager a pretty tough job today. In Bob Walter's book, Facing Reality in American Education, he looks at ways to help young people understand how amazing they really are, for students to discover their gifts and talents, to excel and be all they can be. I'm sure you agree. Purchase your copy of Facing Reality in American Education today at Amazon.com. FM 96.1 North County, AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. Recently, mortgage rates have fallen dramatically by half a percent from their peak, opening yet another window of opportunity for homeowners to lower their monthly payments, do a cash-out refinance, or consolidate their debts. Extreme volatility in the stock market and expectations of slowing global and U.S. economic growth have pushed bond yields to near one-year lows. Following the big drop in mortgage rates, conforming no-point 30-year fixed mortgage rates now average in the mid-fours, with 15-year rates in the high threes. 30-year VA and FHA rates are in the low fours. Whether you're purchasing a home or refinancing, take advantage of today's lower mortgage rates while they're still available. And don't forget, Aramco now has plenty of easy qualifier loan programs for the self-employed with no tax returns. To learn more, call Aramco today at 800-411-8441. That's 800-411-8441. Or visit aramco.biz, B-I-Z. Aramco, purchase, refinance, reverse. Real estate, real solutions for your financing needs. DRE 01853626 and MLS 277316. Not all borrowers qualify. Hi, this is Jesse Keegan, owner of Keegan Electric Solar, a certified electrical contractor. Start the new year off right. 2019 is the last year to get the 30% federal tax credit. Your family should take full advantage of the 30% tax credit while it's still available. Let 2019 be the year you and your family go solar. 
you can produce your own electricity from the sun. Stop paying the escalating prices of the power company. Get a 25-year warranty turnkey solar panel system with top-of-the-line 360-watt panels and in-phase microinverters. This includes a per-panel online monitoring system, standard on all installed Keegan Electric Solar panel systems. Let Keegan Electric Solar answer any questions you might have about any of your solar needs. Give Keegan Electric Solar a call at 619-742-8376. That's 619-742-8376. Or visit KeeganElectricSolar.com. Folks, in our country, people are living in two different worlds. About half believe the Russian collusion narrative that most media organizations are pushing, while the real scandal is Spygate, where Obama administration officials actively colluded with the campaign of Hillary Clinton and foreign governments to affect the outcome of the 2016 presidential election. Half of all Americans don't know the truth. But you can help solve the division with the facts and details you read in the Epic Times newspaper, sharing them with friends and family. The Epic Times reports the true and untold story of collusion in the Spygate scandal. And now they've also charted it out on a limited edition poster-sized wall chart that exposes every illegal relationship. It helps you explain the truth. You can get a copy free when you subscribe to the Epic Times for just $1 for the first month by logging on to trustednewspaper.com. That's trustednewspaper.com. Reporting the important news avoided by the other media. Trustednewspaper.com. That's trustednewspaper.com. FM 96.1 AM 1170 The Answer You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is Andrea Kay Welcome back to the program Retired Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark Your guest host for today This is the Andrea Kay Show We're going to get into military policy right now Joining me on the line Is Gunnery Sergeant Jesse Jane Duff She's a U.S. Marine vet Retired she served 20 years on active duty. She's currently a senior fellow with the London Center for Policy Research. Jesse's area of expertise includes veteran and military affairs and national security issues. Jesse, welcome to the program. You've been on uh, with Andrea Kay uh, numerous times. Hey, good evening, Sheriff. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Let's get right into this. Um, I came across a story in the Wall Street Journal about women in combat units. And I want to make it clear that we're talking about women in combat units, not excluding uh, women from other units of the military, whether they're qualified. But I thought to myself when I read this, you know, I wasn't in the military. military. My father was. He was an airborne ranger, fought in the Korean War, had several uh, parachute jumps under fire, live fire. He gave me my stake in America, but I wasn't in the military, so I thought— Two things are going on here that I have to be careful of. One is because I didn't serve in the military, but the other is that we're talking about um, what role women can and do play in the military. And I don't meet, I don't check either of those boxes. So I thought, let me reach out to somebody who does. And that's why I, I reached out to you. But I want to start with this. This newspaper article, again, Wall Street Journal, says in September 2015, the Marine Corps released a study comparing the performance of gender-integrated and male-only infantry units in simulated combat. The all-male teams greatly outperformed the integrated teams, whether on shooting, surmounting obstacles, or evacuating casualties. Female Marines were injured at a more than six times the rate of men during preliminary training. Unsurprising. The story says, since men's higher testosterone levels produce stronger bones and muscles. Jesse, I want to get your comment on that. Agree, disagree, and why? 
Oh, my goodness. I agree wholeheartedly with the study the Marine Corps did, and I was a big advocate against women fighting in ground combat units. Let's be very clear. Women do serve in combat. That was something that's been highly debated also. But when we start talking about serving in ground combat units, we're talking now about hand-to-hand combat, carrying weights that are well over 100 pounds, packs, excessive weight. Not only that, being in field operations for over six months at a time. When the Marines did this study, this was while President Obama was in office, and they said they were going to lift the ground combat uh, restriction against women. And that happened essentially that we were exempt from ground combat. Now we are no longer exempt, which means all daughters out there can be put in a ground combat union. This, this will no longer be a choice matter at some point, because if we're going to fight for quote-unquote equality, at what point will it truly be equal? So let's go back to this study. 35 million, 30 to 35 million was spent on this. They went out into the field in 29 Palms. They spent nine months out there. The women were performing in the integrated units. The integrated units with males and females performed at 60% of the rate of the non-integrated units. Right there was um, strong and overwhelming evidence that this would be a lethal mistake. Only 20% of the women that went through infantry training school, which is the enlisted side, graduated out of 90%, 98% of the males. So what happened? Out of the 400 women that were volunteered by the Marine Corps to go through this, we had a very small percentage that even graduated. I want to know what happened to the other 65%. I think it was 35% graduated. I want to know what happened to the other 65%. I consistently hear from male counterpart, counterparts who want mm-hmm. to try to show how equal they are to, to, to inclusive to women that, well, if she can do it, let her. Okay, well, what happened to that 65%? Did they get disabled or injured? Because when you start having a higher rate of injury and disability among one group, at what cost is that to the woman or the military itself? Well, this, this is, is interesting. Let, let, me, let me stop you there for a minute. This is interesting because the things that you're talking about, your experience, your knowledge in this area, and from this, this Wall Street Journal article that I read, this stuff never makes the liberal media. This stuff, this data, this stuff, and it was a study, it was research. Uh, it, it doesn't make the, 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 main, the liberal media, I don't call them mainstream, I almost slipped, um, and as you indicated, it's an Obama-era policy. This is nothing more than social engineering. And it's social engine- socially engineering with a very, very sensitive, important uh, aspect of American, the American way of life. And it's, it's the military that is supposed to protect and defend the United States. And I would maintain that we shouldn't be using it as a social engineering lab just to make people feel good. Uh, this story... Um, suggests that it threatens military readiness. I'm going to go back to it. It says here, in part, most female uh, aspirants couldn't pass the test, so the Marines changed it from a pass-fail requirement to an unscored exercise with no bearing on the candidate's ultimate evaluation. It says the weapons company hike during the IOC is now gender-neutral, meaning that officers can hand their pack to a buddy if they get tired rather than carrying it for the course its full 10 miles. Lowering these physical requirements risks reducing the American military's uh, lethality. Yes. Agree, disagree, and why? 
no, I completely agree with the article, and I think everybody should read this because this is fact-based information. Aside from the emotional information that the article also contains about pregnancy and how it disrupted unit cohesion, I'm going to just stick with the fact-based information. 65% less muscle mass, 20% less lung capacity. These are facts. If women were equal to men, we'd be playing in the NFL. And I guarantee the first time a wide receiver gets clobbered by a strong safety who weighs over 200 pounds, the American people would gasp, and they get protection. They get shoulder protection. They get equipment. They get helmets. When you're in hand-to-hand combat with ISIS, guess what they fight on? Methamphetamines. We have to fight sober. So I'm tired of hearing people say, well, if she wants to do it, let her. Because guess what? The training isn't what you have to accomplish. You have to do this every single day. We're going to see shorter careers for women. We already do. I am less than 0.05% that makes it 20 years in the United States Marine Corps. The reason is it's physically demanding. I knew a 28-year-old female that needed two hips replaced. We don't have testosterone, which helps your muscles recover, which helps your muscles get stronger, which helps you build. Women usually reach a peak and then start breaking. And anybody who understands sports injury medicine knows that this is true. Look at soccer teams. If we were the same, we'd be fighting in the Olympics together. So President Obama did this, and I was extremely disappointed in Secretary Mattis because I thought here he was, a renowned uh, infantry officer that was, when I was on active duty, was known. He was a legend. And here he came along, and he allowed it to continue. He didn't even seem to question it. And now they're lowering the standards. So if people say, well, let her do it, guess what? How many men now uh-huh. are not as qualified that are getting in that shouldn't be there either? The Marines have to deploy within 48 hours. We're a force of readiness. We have to fight in ground combat. We have to sometimes be in the field for over six months at a time. I cannot speak on behalf of the Army. It's a different mission. But we go in and get out. Don't you want us to be the fastest, the quickest, and the leanest. And when you put a female into this situation, how many men got denied the spot when you're putting a female in there? We know over the long period of time, she is probably not going to have a 20-year career like I did. I was blessed as fortunate by dare to say I'll be one of the few, the proud, and the fewer, the prouder as time goes on. I appreciate that. First of all, I, I, I should have started by thanking you for your service to our country, your uh, Marine career, your military career, and, you know, this is started by Ash Carter, a former defense secretary yeah. who went full bore, but he was probably ordered to do it. Um, this thing is going to have long-term ramifications, and they aren't going to be uh, positive for the uh, United States and our uh, ability to protect and defend this nation. Jesse, I want to thank you for being on. This is Sheriff David Clark in for Andrea Kay. This is the Andrea Kay Show. we got to take a break. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. 
The goal of your small business is to make money. So why do you give so much of it to the IRS? The small business tax specialists at AV Arias offer proven, proactive, performance-driven strategies so you keep more of your hard-earned money and give less to the IRS. Call Al Arias at AV Arias Company, your small business tax specialists. 619-296-2123. 619-296-2123. Online at avariasco.com. FM 96.1 North County, AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. With our high utility rates, the last thing you need is to waste energy. If your home comfort system is constantly cycling on and off, or if you have hot or cold pockets in your home, that's a red flag. Proper maintenance prolongs the life of your system and saves you money on energy costs. Jackson and Foster Heating and Air have been honored as a North American Contractor of the Year for providing superior service and top quality HVAC products at affordable rates. They're pretty proud of that award and look forward to showing you how they earned that honor. They offer 24-hour emergency service on every major brand. They won't try to sell you a new system if you don't need one and will never recommend any parts that are not necessary. Call Jackson and Foster Heating and Air for a cleaning and inspection. Mention radio and save $25 on your service call. Jackson and Foster Heating and Air. Our family, serving your family since 1931. Call 619-667-4328. 619-667-4328. 619-667-4328. Message and data rates may apply. Please don't text while driving. If you've been in business more than 20 minutes, you've probably printed your logo on all kinds of promotional products. We all know logos work because they're on everything from the top of skyscrapers to the bottom of shoes. Ever wondered why or how to best use your logo to grow your business? Let us show you today for free. We're 4imprint, promotional product experts at your service. We're giving away the latest issue of Amplify, the digital magazine that reveals promotional product success stories absolutely free to everyone who texts WOW11 to 88988. At 4imprint, we make your logo look perfect on thousands of promotional items. With our 100% guarantee, it'll be right the first time, on time, every time. Your free e-magazine will reveal invaluable insights that can attract new customers, build your brand, and grow your business. Get the latest issue of Amplify absolutely free by texting WOW11 to 88988. That's W-O-W-1-1 to 88988. Imagine your business being on the first page of a search engine like Google or at the top. What could that do for your bottom line? The answer is at Salem Surround, digital marketing that surrounds your potential customers with your message wherever they engage, search, surf, socialize, or review. When they're on their computer, mobile phone, or tablet, your ad is there. When they attend a sporting event, conference, or concert, you're in front of them on their mobile device. When they walk into your competitor's store, your message entices them to visit you as well. Salem Surround takes the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. Now there are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to SurroundSanDiego.com. SurroundSanDiego.com. Connecting you with new customers. FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. AK, Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to the program. This is the Andrea K. Show. I'm your guest host for today, former Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. Moving on here, 
My next guest, Heather McDonald, is a Thomas, Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, a contributing editor of City Journal and author of numerous books, including The War on Cops, How the New Attack on Law and Order Makes Everyone Less Safe. Her most recent book is The Diversity Delusion, How Race and Gender uh, Pandering Corrupt the University and Undermine Our Culture. Uh, Heather, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me on, Sheriff Clark. I greatly appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Let me set this up. This You penned a piece recently called Opportunistic Outrage, where you pointed out, and I'll set this up for our, our listeners tonight. Uh, for a week or two, the mainstream media, Black Lives Matter, and many activists and celebrities, including Sean King and the Young Turks, politicized the case of a seven-year-old girl who was uh, shot in a drive-by shooting to the point where they were pushing anti-white liberal race baiting. It was even reported that the mother of the girl knew the killer, and even then she said the killer was a white guy. Both Sean King and a Texas sheriff kept pushing this false narrative uh, that it was a hate crime, even if they got a tip that the killer was black. This uh, piece I'm reading from here from Reddit, it says, uh, Nothing against the little girl, but why was this case considered the crime of the century when they thought the killer was white? But when it turned out that she wasn't at all, all the people involved in treating it are like, ah, this is no big deal. A little girl was murdered either way. That's messed up regardless of who the killers were. Does the media and the, and the people involved not realize that they're going to get somebody killed by pushing this anti-white agenda here? Now in the after, the media suddenly doesn't care about the killer's race. And you, you penned a piece on City Journal. Uh, tell us about that case. Well, I simply point out the dozens and dozens of black children who have been gunned down since 2015 in drive-by shootings that the public has no knowledge of uh, because they were killed by ghetto thugs and not by whites. Uh, Heartbreaking cases, a nine-year-old girl in Ferguson, Missouri, the start of the Black Lives Matter, who was studying, doing her homework in her bedroom uh, and was killed by a bullet that uh, escaped from a drive-by shooting. A seven-year-old boy killed in Chicago uh, over Fourth of July weekend in 2015 who was killed by a bullet intended for his father. Three children in uh, Cleveland who were gunned down fatally, uh, all under the age of five in September of 2015, leading the black police chief of Cleveland to break down in tears and say, why is everybody out on the streets when a police officer kills one of us, but when we kill each other, nobody pays attention. Children that have been paralyzed for life, uh, that are undergoing excruciating operations to try and rebuild their inner organs, extraordinary. In in 2016, there were two dozen children under the age of 12 who were shot in drive-bys in Chicago. Uh, Nobody protested them. So the whole premise of Black Lives Matter, as you've yourself written so eloquently, Sheriff Clark, is a complete fraud. Uh, This isn't about Black Lives Matter mattering. It's about let's attack Whitey. You know, that's what this thing has been from the beginning. I identified it early on. Uh, you and I were both out there aggressively in the days following Ferguson, Missouri, 
uh, with this war on cops that you so eloquently wrote about. You've been a longtime supporter of police. You understand how difficult this environment is for police, especially in these areas that are crime-ridden and where uh, you have a, you know, predominantly the black underclass, a subset of the black population. You've made it clear. I've made it clear. We're not talking about all blacks. We're talking about the underclass that lives by different rules uh, than you and I. And, you know, this is having some long-term effects, which I predicted in 2014 uh, when I said that there was a war on cops. And, you know, after two of, of New York's finest NYPD were shot and killed sitting in their cruiser in a borough in New York City, Rafael Ramos and uh, uh, Wenjin Liu. And then it just got worse from there. By the way, 2018 was another uh, deadly year uh, for police officers killed in the line of duty. But one of the things that I've noticed, too, being a law enforcement veteran is we're only as successful as the cooperation we're going to get from the public. And this stuff always falls on the police. It's always that the police have to do a better job of relating to the community. And I always say, no, the community has to do a better job of relating with the police. I noticed that uh, there have been two recent stories that have talked about how um, murder clearance rates have fallen dramatically. I know in the city of Milwaukee, where I was born and raised and where I served in law enforcement for nearly 40 years, the clearance for homicide is 29%, also in Baltimore. And you talked about that uh, in your article here, the, the, the problems in Baltimore. The homicide clearance rate is 29%, meaning if you go out and murder somebody in Milwaukee and Baltimore, you have a... 75, nearly 75% chance of getting away with it. This no snitching culture, this dysfunctional culture that goes on. Um, you know, the race hustlers, they have no data to support their lies. You, you, you come with data. You come with uh, not skewing it, not skewing the numbers, but putting it out there. You know, why is it that this can't break through uh, to destroy this, this false narrative about the police and about crime and violence in our uh, inner cities? Well, I think whites are committed to a narrative that infantilizes blacks and sees them as having no personal agency. Uh, America is turning its eyes away from inner city dysfunction, and you're absolutely right to say this is a small subset. I, I, get, I take my sort of directions on the police from the many, many law-abiding residents of high-crime areas, black themselves, the good people that are showing up to these community meetings, trying to turn their communities around, the elderly ladies in the wonderful hats, a woman who stood up and out of the blue at the 41st Precinct in the South Bronx to just say spontaneously, I love the police, they are my friends. Uh, and they want the police to be proactive, they want the dealers off the corner, I've heard people, I've heard young people complain to the police, I smell weed in my hallway. Why can't you do something about it? Uh, yeah, and where's Black you know, Lives Matter, right? Right. And, and so the, the inner city dysfunction is not the black population, but it is a significant enough population that it is causing havoc and causing fear. Right. And people don't want to look at that reality. It's a lot more comfortable and somehow ennobling to say it's all white people's fault rather than to say more black men have to take responsibility for their children women should not have children by men that they're not prepared to marry we need to bring the family back together again 
but it's it's just a, a more comfortable discourse to say, well, this is all the problem of racism. And you know what I find so amazing? The media likes to think of itself as woke and and social justice warriors. <laughs> there were forty three hundred people shot in Chicago in twenty sixteen. That's one person every two hours. Staggering. They were virtually virtually all black. Can you imagine if 4,300 white people had been shot in one city? There would be a revolution. But the media only cares about black lives being gunned down when they're taken by a cop. You know, it's amazing when you look at some of the data that you present. And then I read another story uh, about some new data on uh, police use of force. And it talked about, that you know, that there were... 2,900 nationally, I think in 2018, I think this was, 2,900 uh, black people murdered by in black-on-black crime. And then it, it, it compared that to, that, that said that's a 9-11 incident every year in the black community. And look at our re- reaction when, and rightfully so, when nearly 3,000 people were killed in the World Trade Center uh, uh, bombings. You know, I, I look at some of the stuff and I read a lot of what you say because you do the research and all I have to do then is go out and talk about the research and tribute it to you. But, you know, we're always talking about, or we're always hearing about, I should say, this this change in, in, in police, that we have to change the police. And I always remind people, look, we don't need to change the police. We need a change in behavior on the part of the individuals in this dysfunctional culture. You just pointed it out. Some of the things like, you know, the what I like to call the pathologies, uh, urban pathologies, dropping out of school early, joining gangs and, and, and abusing drugs and alcohol, fathering kids out of wedlock. These are the things that um, I think aggravate this situation and it perpetuates this situation to go on to the next generation of kids and the next generation of kids. I mean, some of the data that you pointed out in this your story here, and I'll read it. It says, as for interracial violence generally, blacks disproportionately commit Commit it. You know, we're always hearing from the left about disproportionality and disparate impact. Getting back to your story here, it says between 2012 and 2015, there were 631,000 violent interracial victimizations, including homicide between blacks and whites, according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics. Blacks who make up 13% of the U.S. population committed 85% of those victimizations or 540,000 felonious assaults on whites, while whites, 61% of the population, committed 14.4% or 91,000 felonious assaults on blacks. Regarding threats to blacks from police, a police officer is 18.5% times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. I also read on that other story that I was talking about, where the police use of force in terms of of, uh, a deadly force is only 0.01% of all uh, homicides, meaning that in black-on-black situations, they they commit 99.9% of all uh, uh, homicides. Come on in that for a second. Yeah, absolutely. You could remove all police shootings tomorrow, and it would have zero effect on the rate at which blacks die of homicide, which is shockingly high. This is the civil rights uh, problem we should be talking about. Blacks die of homicide in this country at six times the rate of whites and Hispanics combined. And that is because their homicide commission rate is so high. 
So if you want to save black lives, you've got to bring the black violent crime rate down. The way not to bring that violent crime rate down is to emasculate the police. As you say, uh, they're operating in an environment now that is extraordinarily hostile. They're in, in, in encountering increased resistance to arrest. Uh, they're being told by the media that it is racist to clear the corners of gangbangers and drug dealers, that it's racist to make a pedestrian stop of somebody who is acting in a suspicious manner. And policing is political. So if a significant and, and powerful portion of the body politic is sending a message that a particular type of policing is racist, it is completely normal and should, it's in fact, the way it should happen if police say, okay, we'll do less of it. Police are doing less of it. That resulted in an additional 3,000 black lives being taken over the course of 2015 and 2016 because officers are backing off and crime is going up. Just to, to uh, get a, a different number up, you suggested that about 2,000, 3,000 blacks are killed every year. It's actually more like 7,000. 2,000 more than, than whites and Hispanics combined. So, you know, it's a massive number. And when, when the police are under ideological attack uh, and back off, it's the good law-abiding people in, in black communities that suffer because they're the ones that have to navigate the gauntlet of drug dealers on the corner, uh, worried about drive-by shootings, uh, worried about are, is their kids safe walking to school. Heather, I have to end it there. i got to take a break. I want to thank you for joining me here on the Andrea K. Show. Keep up the good work again. Her latest book, The Diversity Delusion, she's got many. My favorite book by you, Heather, by the way, is uh, The Burden of Bad Ideas, followed by The War on Cops. But thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you, Sheriff Clark. I appreciate it. Sheriff Clark, in for Andrea K. This is the Andrea K. Show. We have to take a break. Stay with us. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Many of us know how high school today is not the same as the high school in the 60s and 70s. Pressure to achieve, the competitiveness, the anxiety to fit in, and the loneliness has made being a teenager a pretty tough job today. In Bob Walter's book, Facing Reality in American Education, he looks at ways to help young people understand how amazing they really are. For students to discover their gifts and talents, to excel and be all they can be. I'm sure you agree. Purchase your copy of Facing Reality in American Education today at Amazon.com. You don't know what you don't know. Your assets don't have to be paid off to need an estate plan. Andrea Kay here. Recently recognized top San Diego attorney Rod Hatley is honest, fair, caring, and has helped so many of my friends. It's in Rod's heart to help others avoid what he experienced firsthand, a costly, devastating seven-year probate after his father's death. Don't let your assets, paid off or not, go to probate. For your free consultation, contact Rod through his website, HatleyLawGroup.com. That's H-A-T-L-E-Y LawGroup.com. HatleyLawGroup.com. FM 96.1 North County, AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. This report is sponsored by the Word on Wealth Financial Network. Here's the Word on Wealth, a retirement update from five-star wealth manager, certified financial planner, Marty Schneider, the retirement professor. Greetings, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Word on Wealth. Marty Schneider here. You know, one of the great challenges that prospective pre-retirees have is the allocation of their funds. So after some study and some time, Wells Fargo started the very first of what has come to be known as the target date funds, where people could select 
a particular fund inside their 401k based on what has now become to known as their glide path. So if you are intending to retire in the next five years, you might buy a target fund 2020 or 2025. Call me for your retirement planning consultation. 800-727-PLAN is my office number here in Mission Valley. 800-727-7526. You can also go to my website, theretirementprofessor.com. That's it for this edition of The Word on Wealth. I am the retirement professor, Marty Schneider. I'll be back with you right here on these very same Salem Network Stations. The number one fear of people 55 and over is the fear of outliving their money. Let's face it, nobody wants to wake up one day to find they have no more money but a lot more life yet to live. So how can you set yourself up for the retirement you want? Dennis Prager here. I recommend you call W.L. Roth & Associates. They have focused on helping you keep the money you've worked so hard to earn and grow. They'll take away the risk of investing while giving you the upside of returns. Let's face it, setting yourself up for retirement can be stressful and confusing do not do it alone. Schedule a complimentary consultation with W.L. Roth and Associates. Find out what it will take to set yourself up for an enriching retirement. Call 858-673-7574, 858-673-7574. Go to WLRothAssociates.com. W.L. Roth and Associates, your partner for success, 858-673-7574. Specializing in IRA, 401k conversion, revocable trust planning, and how to build a tax-free nest egg for retirement without risk. Sun Garden Terrace, license number 374-603-437. Keith needed a little help with meals and housework, but his beloved wife, Cecilia, suffers from Alzheimer's. So Keith found the perfect place where they could both get the level of care they needed, but still be together at Sun Garden Terrace Retirement Community in Lemon Grove. Sun Garden Terrace has a place for people that have Alzheimer's. At night, I always have her in there in case she has a problem. I have a bedroom upstairs for her. If she were in my bedroom, there's always a cord on the wall you pull if you got a problem. Keith still keeps fit. The exercise is really good exercise. It's not just flimsy exercise. You really feel it. And he knows Cecilia is always safe. The best thing is the number of caregivers they have here. You don't have to search for one when you need one. Keith and Cecilia still together after 48 years at Sun Garden Terrace where there's such a lot of living to do. To schedule your private tour and delicious lunch, visit sungardenterrace.com or call 619-464-CARE. That's 619-464-CARE. FM 96.1 AM 1170 The Answer AK, Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to the program. I'm your guest host for today, retired Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark, and for Andrea K. This is the Andrea K. Show. I want to end with this, this final segment. You know, I started the segment talking about uh, this article from the Ace of Spades blog, How Losing My Political Values Helped Me Gain My Freedom. That was not by me, but I penned a uh, uh, response to this new political warfare that's going on uh, here in the 21st century. I, you know, I do a regular column for townhall.com. Actually, you can follow me at my website, americasheriff.com, one-stop shopping. Everything that I do, write, say, tweet. Facebook, whatever, you can get right there, americasheriff.com. But I wrote this article. It's entitled, Wanted, New Conservative Fighters. Let me be blunt. It's obvious to me that the political right needs a fighting force, an organized ground-level force built for the political conflicts of the 21st century. 
politics has become a contact sport. This force must be unlike many GOP political figures who want to avoid contact and seem obsessed with being admired by the left in the editorial boards of the New York Times and CNN rather than pushing back against the people seeking to destroy them. Who was it that said you can't fix stupid? The left, aided by liberal media, has declared war on conservatives. They have declared war on cops, the Constitution, the rule of law, due process, religion, and free speech. To counter this, we need political street fighters, brawlers, to help President Trump push back against the swamp, the deep state, never-Trumpers on the right, and the Washington establishment. Currently... Trump has to rely on a group of your grandfather's Republicans who mistakenly believe that you can compromise with the left or that you can win a political political warfare from inside the safe space of a think tank, a TV studio, or from a D.C. cocktail party. Traditional GOP politicians and elites elites do not realize that going forward into the 2020 elections— The tactics that they are currently using that had previously worked to win elections have become obsolete and ineffective at countering the guerrilla-type warfare tactics of the Democrat Party and the American left. Somebody needs to tell these Republican intellectual elites that the other side is shooting at us, figuratively and literally, as in the case of Congressman Steve Scalise. In this new age of political warfare, they have allowed the left to dictate the rules of engagement. In turn, the left has turned politics into the art of lying. They control the language that can be used and thus control the narrative. Anyone who thinks the left will play fair or use traditional methods to win debates or elections is dangerously naive. These political ambushes are the metaphorical equivalent of a roadside IED. Often you won't know the left's blast is coming until it's too late in the election cycle when their 11th hour surprise smears or outright lies appear. Recall when former Senate Majority Reader, uh, Leader Harry, Lee, Harry Reid said that in the 2012 GOP presidential uh, race that nominee Mitt Romney didn't pay his taxes for 10 years. After the election, when Reid was confronted about the outright lie, he smugly responded, it worked, didn't it? Everyone should be awake to the predictable left. Their opposition research digs deep into a GOP candidate's past, finding some innocuous, clumsy statement, photo, or connection, even if it was decades ago, and smears them as if it happened yesterday. They recently did it to Cindy Hyde-Smith in her U.S. Senate race as the Democrats engage in their insidious game of identity politics. Who's behind this? A few of the culprits are Media Matters, American Bridge, Crew, and Share Blue. These are subversive leftist groups running a well-funded and organized Trump resistance movement. They are purveyors of misinformation and propaganda. They have made it clear that elections no longer matter unless they win. When they lose, they demand recounts, claim voter suppression, and suspicious, uncounted ballots will magically appear. Media Matters operative David Brock said in a confidential memo that we will fight every day. We're going to resist the normalization of Donald Trump. We're going to contest every effort. In a training manual, Sheriff Blue proclaimed that Trump allies would be forced to step down or change course due to news published by Sheriff Blue. They organized boycotts and threatened corporations into not doing business with conservative groups. They conduct training courses on how to write letters and flood newspaper publishers to stop counter-view op-eds from appearing published in liberal publications. They attack conservatives on social media sites like Facebook and Twitter and flood their administrators with complaints to get them shut down or suspended. These are the leftist bullies that can, at a moment's notice, summon a mob of people to show up and raise hell. 
They were behind the smearing of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. They were the ones who were pounding the doors of the U.S. Supreme Court trying to storm the gates. They engaged in political violence throughout false allegations of sexual harassment or sexual assault and race baiting along with other types of physical threats, physical violence, and property damage. They are undoubtedly behind the assaults against Republican elected officials and White House staff in public places like restaurants or at their homes. These leftist groups are a formidable foe that the conservative side currently has no response. We need infrastructure and we need to mobilize it quickly. I want to be clear. I do not advocate for violence, but I do advocate for more effective counter tactics than the weak need ones currently deployed. The new conservative fighter has to rid themselves of their self-righteousness about the kind of tactics they will have to use to take on the left's machine. For instance, taking the high road is an ineffective tactic against this foe as merely as expressing outrage. Proving that we are better than they are is useless. This new political fighter has to be able to fight through whatever the left throws at them and not flinch, apologize, grovel, or abandon a conservative or GOP candidate after an opposition research sneak attack. Think Trump supporter. They have to snicker at being called racist, homophobe, misogynist, Islamophobe, and fight on. In other words, when the left metaphorically throw rocks, the new conservative fighter has to be willing to pick up those rocks and throw them right back. If you need an example, just watch how President Trump fearlessly takes on the left. Many on the conservative side do not have the stomach for this. My response is then get used to losing elections. Get used to gun confiscation. Get used to government control over every aspect of your life. Get ready for totalitarian fascism. You can stop it if you dare to change tactics and move to the front. Again, that's a piece I penned. It appears in townhall.com. And you know what, what, what brings uh, to mind is, is this recent sneak attack on uh, U.S. Representative Stephen King from Iowa. Uh, recently, the New York Times did an ambush on him and uh, twisted his words, contorted it, and then put out this, this, this uh, story, you know, calling him a racist, so on. And so I know Stephen King personally. Guy's invited me to talk to several groups in his area. He's not a racist. Why would he invite a black guy to speak before his uh, support groups if he was a racist? And I don't have to defend Stephen King, but I know what happened there. That's what I'm talking about. And I also noticed how the right, Kevin McCarthy, minority leader, Republican, Liz Cheney from Wyoming, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell said Stephen King should find a new line of work. Cheney and, and, and McCarthy call for him to resign. I said, wait a minute. This is a New York Times story. Do you believe that? Out, out of hand, you just believe what the New York Times said he said? Well, I talked to Stephen King about that the other day. All right, he was ambushed. It was a political attack. He should have been smarter. And I asked him right out. I said, you've been a while around a while. Why would you even talk? to the New York Times. I don't trust the New York Times as far as I can throw them. Every time they call me for an interview, I tell them to go to hell. I've enjoyed being here today. Again, I'm retired Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. And for Andrea Kay, this is the Andrea Kay Show. It's been a pleasure and a privilege, and I'm glad that you stuck around. Again, you can follow me at americasheriff.com. Everything is there, one-stop shopping. You don't have to go to separate Twitter and, you know, follow me on Twitter, but you can find it there. Everything I write appears there. America's 
sheriff.com. Again, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. I'll be a guest, I, I, I'm sure, again, with Andrea on her show. This is the Andrea K. Show. This is Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. Good night, and God bless you.